Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Chip and Eric, Reading Through the Bible. Newton, Kansas, number one Bible reading podcast. Yeah, two, re- two years in, uh, in a row. No, I haven't seen the numbers for this year yet. Well, I think it's... Hey, you never know, man. Someone else could start one and instantly have a million people. Well, I doubt Which it. would be amazing. Eric, today is day 146. Oh, I see we're brushing right by this. Okay, yeah, day 146. We're going to read uh, Ezra chapter 9 uh-huh. through Nee. Nehemiah. Uh huh. That's his name. Chapter 2, verse 10. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Good stuff. It is good stuff. Glad everybody can join us today. I like it when we're on the other side of the exile. Yeah. You know? Sure. All that stuff leading up to the exile is brutal. Brutal. But we're on the other side. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get back into it when we read the prophets, mm-hmm. but it's okay. Here we are. But today, hmm. Ezra chapter 9. When these things had been done, the Jewish leaders came to me and said, Many of the people of Israel, and even some of the priests and Levites, have not kept themselves separate from the other peoples living in the land. They've taken up the detestable practices of the Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Ammonites, Moabites, Egyptians, and Amorites. And for the men of Israel have married women from these people and have taken them as wives for their sons. So the holy race has become polluted by these mixed marriages. Worse yet, the leaders and officials have led the way in this outrage. When I heard this, I tore my cloak and my shirt and pulled the hair from my head and beard and sat down utterly shocked. Then all who, then all who trembled at the words of the God of Israel came and sat with me because of, because of this outrage committed by the returned exiles. And I sat there utterly appalled until the time of the evening sacrifice. At the time of the sacrifice, I stood up from where I had sat in mourning with my clothes torn. I fell to my knees and lifted my hands to the Lord my God. I prayed, Oh my God, I am utterly ashamed. I blush to lift up my face to you, for our sins have piled higher than our heads, and our guilt has reached to the heavens. From the days of our ancestors until now, we have been steeped in sin. That is why we and our kings and our priests have been at the mercy of the pagan kings of the land. We've been killed, captured, robbed, and disgraced just as we are today. But now we have given a brief moment we have been given a brief moment of grace, for the Lord our God has allowed a few of us to survive as a remnant. He has given us security in this holy place. Our God has brightened our eyes and granted us some relief from our slavery. For we were slaves, but in his unfailing love, our God did not abandon us in our slavery. Instead, he caused the kings of Persia to treat us favorably. He revived us so we could rebuild the temple of our God and repair its ruins. He has given us a protective wall in Judah and Jerusalem. And now, O our God, what can we say after all this? For once again, we've abandoned your commands. Your servants, the prophets, warned us when they said, the land you are entering to possess is totally defiled by the detestable practices of the people living there. From one end to the other, the land is filled with corruption. Don't let your daughters marry their sons. Don't take their daughters as wives for your sons. Don't ever promote the peace and prosperity of those nations. If you follow these instructions, you will be strong and will enjoy the good things the land produces, and you'll leave... this prosperity to your children forever. Now we're being punished because of our wickedness and our great guilt, but we have actually been punished far less than we deserve, for you, our God, have allowed some of us to survive as a remnant. But even so, we are again breaking your commands and intermarrying with people who do these detestable things. Won't your anger be enough to destroy us so that even this little remnant no longer survives? 
O Lord, God of Israel, you are just. We come before you in our guilt as nothing but an escaped remnant, though in such a condition none of us can stand in your presence. While Ezra paid... While Ezra prayed and made this confession, weeping and lying face down on the ground in front of the temple of God, a very large crowd of God, a large crowd of people from Israel, men, women, and children, gathered and wept bitterly with him. Then Shechaniah, son of Jehiel, a descendant of Elam, said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God, for we have married these pagan women of the land. But in spite of this, there is hope for Israel. Let us now make a covenant with our God to divorce our pagan wives and send them away with their children. We will follow the advice given by you and by the others who respect the commands of our God. Let it be done according to the law of God. Get up, for it is your duty to tell us how to proceed in the setting, in setting things straight. We're behind you, so be strong and take action. So Ezra stood up and demanded that the leaders of the priests and the Levites and all the people of Israel swear that they would do as Shechaniah had said. And they all swore a solemn oath. Then Ezra left the front of the temple of God and went to the room of Jehonahan, son of Eliashib, and he spent the night there without eating or drinking anything. He was still in mourning because of the unfaithfulness of the returned exiles. Then a proclamation was made throughout Judah and Jerusalem that all exiles should come to Jerusalem. Those who failed to come within the three days would, if the leaders and elders so decided, forfeit all their property and be expelled from the assembly of the exiles. Within three days, all the people of Judah and Benjamin had gathered in Jerusalem. This took place on December the 19th, and all the people were sitting in the square before the temple of God. They were trembling, both because of the seriousness of the matter and because it was raining. Then Ezra the priest stood and said to them, You have committed a terrible sin. By marrying pagan women, you have increased Israel's guilt. So now, confess your sin to the Lord, the God of your ancestors, and do what he demands. Separate yourselves from the people of the land and from these pagan women. Then the whole assembly raised their voices and answered, Yes, you are right. We must do as you say. Then they added, This isn't something that can be done in a day or two, for many of us are involved in the extremely sinful affair. And this is the rainy season, so we cannot stay out here much longer. Let our readers, leaders act on behalf of us all. Let everyone who has a pagan wife come at a scheduled time, accompanied by the leaders and judges of the city, so that the fierce anger of our God concerning this affair may be turned away from us. Only Jonathan, son of Azahel, and Jaziah, son of Tikva, opposed this course of action, and they were supported by Meshulam and Shabbatai, the Levite. So this was the plan they followed. Ezra selected leaders to represent their families, designated each of the representatives by name. On December the 29th, the leaders sat down to investigate this matter. By March the 27th, the first day of the new year, they had finished dealing with all the men who had married pagan wives. These are the priests who had married pagan wives. From the family of Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, and his brothers, Masai, Eleazar, Jerib, and Gedaliah, they vowed to divorce their wives. And each, they each acknowledged their guilt by offering a ram as a guilt offering. From the family of Immer, Hanani, and Zebediah. From the family of Harim, Messiah, Elijah, Shimei, Jehiel, and Uzziah. From the family of Pashur, Elionai, Messiah, Ishmael, Nathaniel, Jazabad, and Elisa. These are the Levites who were guilty. Jazabad, Shimei, Kelea, also called Kelita, Pethahiah, Judah, and Eliezer. 
This is the singer who was guilty, Eliashib. These are the gatekeepers who were guilty, Shalom, Telem, and Uri. These are the other people of Israel who were guilty, from the family of Parash, Ramiah, Isaiah, Malchijah, Mijamin, Eliezer, Hashabiah, and Benaiah. From the family of Elam, Mataniah, Zechariah, Jehiel, Abdi, Jeremoth, and Elijah. From the family of Zatu, Elionai, Eliashib, Mataniah, Jeremoth, Zabad, and Aziza. From the family of Bibai, Jehohanan, Hananiah, Zabai, and Athlai. From the family of Bani, Mushalim, uh, sorry, Meshulam, there we go, Maluk, Adea, Jashub, Sheel, and Jeremoth. From the family of Pehath Moab, Adna, Kalal, Benea, Masaiah, Mataniah, Bezalel, Benui, and Manasseh. From the family of Haram, Eliezer, Ishijah, Malkijah, Shemaiah, Shimeon, Benjamin, Maluk, and Shamariah. From the family of Hashem, Metanai, Matata, Matata, Zabad, Eliphelet, Jeremiah, Manasseh, and Shimei. From the family of Bani, Madai, Amram, Uel, Benea, Bediah, Kaluhi, Beniah, Merimoth, Eliashib, Mataniah, Matanai, and Jasu. From the family of Binui, Shimei, Shelemiah, Nathan, Adea, Machnadebai, Shashai, Sharai, Azarel, Shelemiah, Shemariah, Shalom, Amariah, and Joseph. From the family of Nebo, Jeiel, Mattathiah, Zabad, Zabina, Jedai, Joel, and Benaiah. Each of these men had a pagan wife, and some even had children by these wives. Whew. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked him about the Jews who had returned from their captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. And they said to me, Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place that I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescue by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. I was going to read just that one sentence. I know you was. That's why I read it. 
Early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving at the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, Why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, Long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, Well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, If it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. I also said to the king, If it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please, give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. When I came to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letters to them. The king, I should add, had sent along army officers and horsemen to protect me. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of my arrival, they were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. And that is our reading today. Cliffhanger. Yeah. I love Nehemiah. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, we read that passage. We had two questions in mind. They were, what does this tell us about God? And what does this tell us about us? Okay. So, Chip. Yep. What does this tell us about us? I will say this This is as we're in. I tricked you. It's fine. What does it tell us about God? Oh. Oh, yeah, you did say what does it tell us about yeah, us. I'm I not going to tell you, you what Yeah, dude, us. you were full sc- You were in third gear, and I, I stopped you. I shouldn't in. have done that. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, that's all right. Um, I can tell you. I'll tell you whatever you want to know. You want me to tell you what it tells about us? I would love to hear whatever you have to say, Chip Stiffer. Okay. But tell us about God. I'm going to do two for one. I love it. Just let's go. Just because you set me yeah, up. Yeah, let's go. So it tells us that it, God, okay, God wants us to and is pleased with the fact that we confess our sins. Mm-hmm. So he wants us to confess our sins, admit our sins and our wrongdoings, and, and he's pleased when we do it. Mm-hmm. And we see a lot of that here, you know, and, and it carried over, it's from Ezra, and then it carried over into um, uh, Nehemiah, mm-hmm. with Nehemiah confessing their sins of his you know, families and ancestors and all that stuff. And so God wants us to confess, and he's pleased when we do it. Why? Because it breaks us. Mm-hmm. It brings us back to a point, and we need to be broken. That's what it tells about us. Yeah. We need to be broken. Yeah. We get all puffed up with ourselves. We, get, well, we do what we want, live our way, and we sin against God, and we need to be broken. Mm-hmm. And so God likes it. When you know, we get to the point when we are broken, that we confess those sins, and we admit our mistakes, and we get right with Him. Mm-hmm. He's pleased by that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, you know, it, that all comes out of a good understanding of the 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 understanding what God wants, like what God's plan is for us, right? Like, so we confess, we repent, because we know, as New Testament believers. Just like they knew that God would be faithful and that he would cleanse us from unrighteousness and forgive us, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I just think that, yeah, there's a lot to that. And it's not just, 
hey, I'm going to dump out my sins and then God's going to be okay with it. I'm going to say a couple Hail Marys and I'm going to, you know, donate $50 to the parsonage. It's, you know, I confess these sins. I repent of these sins. I turn toward God. I embrace what God has for me and who God wants me to be. And I move forward in the power of the Holy Spirit to do the best I can. And I'll confess my sins again because no one's mm-hmm. expecting me to be perfect. And it'll be again and again and again. And God will restore you. Yeah. The same as he promised to restore them. And I love that both Ezra and Nehemiah held God to the promise that he would restore them if they did this. And, um, yeah, I think that that's amazing. So, I also oh, – sorry, go ahead. Go well, ahead. I just, I'm noting here Ezra's posture with his confession mm-hmm. and prayer. You know, weeping and weeping and lying face down on the ground in front of the temple of God. Mm-hmm. You know, and praying and making that confession. And, and so many times today, and I am very guilty of this, just to kind of like a quick confess, okay, I feel good now. Yeah. You know what I mean? But this was the example here from Ezra, really, is that this broke him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it puts us in a great place with God when we're truly broken by our sin and we can make those changes that need to be made mm-hmm. instead of saying, okay, I feel better now. I told God, you know, yeah. and so I, I really like the posture there. That's so true. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And then uh, the end of the book of Ezra is this list of guilty people. Yeah. You know, and the hope yeah, is... Yeah, they were called out. The hope is yeah. that even though we know them for their guilt, the hope is that, you know, God knows them for their repentance. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that's kind of neat too. Yeah. So yeah. what do you do with that today? Well, I think uh, we do this a lot. We talk about it a lot. And I think it's because it's important. Confess your sins to God. But beyond that... Don't confess your sins to God because we told you to. Don't confess your sins to God because you saw Ezra do it and because Nehemiah did it. Confess your sins to God because you share that heart posture that Chip just shared about Ezra. That it, it, Allow your sins to break your heart and to, and to really affect you because there was a price paid for those sins. Hmm. And um, allow that hmm. to affect you, not in the way of shame, but in this way of of true appreciation and worship and understanding who God is mm-hmm. and that you really have betrayed him and, and I and I have betrayed him and Chip has betrayed him. Um, oh, yeah. You know, understand that and embrace that and then embrace who he is, the God that restores. Yeah, so. good stuff. Yeah. Very good. I like that Majamin made an appearance today. Yeah, Majamin. Majamin and Benui. Mm-hmm. You're a big fan of Benui. You have I'm, your Benui t-shirt. Well, yeah. last week. Yeah, last week, not today. Yeah. Well, I know. Yeah. You should have wore it today. Shame on you. Well, yeah, I guess. Cool. I was so relieved when I was yeah. reading through those. I was so relieved to get to Joseph. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, a normal name. It was like a break. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's all. Have a great day, everybody. Make sure you wear your Benui t-shirt next week. Yeah. And we'll talk to you soon. And we'll read to you tomorrow. You can guarantee you that. I, no, you can't. Well, yeah, they can listen to last year's. Yeah. <laughs> you can't guarantee it. Because well, Jesus comes back right after we hit this stop button. Or yes, before. Or our recording will still be available, Eric. Yeah, yeah, but not necessarily, probably to most of the people we're reading to today. <laughs> yeah, I hope you guys are with us. Yeah. yeah. I hope you but make, then we will read to them. I hope you make there the, it is. Hope you that's, make the trip. <laughs> that's our commitment. That's hope you have commitment. your ticket. Yeah, yeah, hope you got a ticket. <laughs> your morning pass. That's, that's my commitment. Yes. If the rapture happens right now, I will still read to all of you tomorrow. Like, we'll grab our Bible. <laughs> yeah, grab our Bible. All right, we're crazy. What? You're not. We're semi-ordinary, bro. And we'll try to be here tomorrow to read to you. Yeah, God willing, we'll mm-hmm. be here tomorrow. Amen. Goodbye.